spent a few weeks away from our theme of this year. In the last couple of weeks, we talked about how he died for me, and now it's finished, Easter season, but uh, today we get back to our annual theme, which is walk worthy of your calling. Our key verse for this year is Ephesians 4.1. Paul urged, which is stronger than asking, he urged the Christians in Ephesus after he had spent three chapters telling them what God had done for us and what Christ means to us and all of that. uh, He said, therefore, walk worthy, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. A uh, fantastic verse, huge verse. Takes uh, probably a lot longer than a year to discuss most of the ramifications of it, but we're going to spend this year on Sunday mornings looking at different uh, areas of that walk worthy of the calling, what we've been called to. Our first series when we started the year was What's My Calling? And I spent a few weeks on that thinking about uh, what's a Christian called to do? And we determined the Christian was called. has a very special uh, life that we are to live because of what he's done for us. Uh, After I finished that series, then Toby focused in on the body. Looked at uh, a big picture of us, of Northside, of the family here, the body here. How do we walk worthy? Now... I realize all this really comes down to individuals walking worthy, but I think it's good for us to look at it in different perspectives. And Ephesians 4.1 just says all of us, uh, but then as the body, how do we walk worthy? And Toby told us that, uh, get to that in a minute, Toby uh, told us that we follow the head. As the body, that's what we do. As individual members... We all do what we have a gift to do. And we do that while we're united. We do that because we're bound by love. And we do it to to get stronger and stronger as the body of Christ. That series was a big corporate picture of all of Northside. The application was individual. Uh, If you saw some weaknesses in there. If you saw that you're not using your gift, if you're not strengthening others, if you're not unified with the rest of the body, if you don't love the rest of the body, you need to do some things. So all of this gets back to helping us walk worthy. Today now, uh, I'm going to start a series, and this series, Toby and I are going to share. Uh, Now, I guess you could think our goal is to keep you confused about who's preaching when, uh, and... Maybe that's a little bit of it. My only fear is that we'll get confused. Uh, Some Sunday morning we'll both look at each other and, whose turn is it? (laughs) That would be a horrible thing, wouldn't it, Bill? (laughs) But but hopefully we can keep it all straight, uh, not be too confused. Uh, I just thought, speaking of being confused, over the last five weeks while Toby was preaching... Uh, I had a lot of folks come up to me and say, well, what are you doing with all your spare time now that you're retired? Uh, I I think maybe we haven't communicated the transition plan real well here. Uh, (laughs) I'm not quite retired yet. Uh, We are transitioning. 
And uh, this year, 2015, is the year of transition. Toby's going to preach about a third of the time. Uh, he's still got some big uh, re- uh, responsibilities with the youth group, uh, work camp coming up and team camp and some things. Uh, but he'll preach about a third of the time, and I'll preach about two-thirds of it is our plan. And we'll alternate sometimes and go back and forth on it. For instance, tonight, Toby starts an evening series uh, on prayer. As we train with the Twelve, he's going to spend about five weeks talking about what Jesus taught about prayer. Uh, then, if everything goes as planned, in 2016, I'll spend most of my time with Know Your Bible, and Toby will be the one you see in the pulpit most of the time. So, that's the plan. Uh, today, calling all families. Uh, this is another arena we live in. We can think about how we walk worthy as the church, the body of Christ, but we also can think about how do we walk worthy as a family, as a physical family, as an earthly family. Uh, it'll be quick, this series, uh, but I hope it'll be helpful. There's just four lessons. Uh, we're going to focus in on grandparents and spouses. And then Toby's going to talk about parents and children. What are they called to do? These specific roles in a family. Uh, what's our call? Uh, today we're going to look at grandparents. Uh, all, uh, what's our call as grandparents? So I can use that term since I am a grandparent. Uh, some of you aren't, and maybe you plan to be someday, so you can pay attention also. Uh, what, God, what does God expect a grandparent to do in a family? What's that specific role? And obviously, this short of a series uh, about this big of a topic, we'll never get it all covered, but uh, we just want to focus you about your role in the family. What's a worthy walk for a grandparent? Okay, our question really is today, uh, what's our calling? What, what's your calling? And the foundation of all this is Ephesians 4.1. Individually, You walk worthy of your calling. And you're going to see as we go through this session about grandparents today that you really can't do all that God has called you to do if you're not coming from that foundation. Okay? You can be a good grandparent. You can be a well-loved grandparent. Uh, but you can't fully fulfill God's calling for you unless you are in Christ and walking worthy of your calling. Family is extremely important. Family is what holds society together. Uh, family is really what holds the church together also. Uh, family is so important. We could talk for weeks about that, but let's just focus in on these special roles. All right, so some advice for grandparents. What's your calling? Number one, I'd say you need to recognize your blessing. Recognize your blessing before you start worrying about the rest of the things on the page there. Uh, The passage that was read to you, Psalm 128, talks about how God blesses us. And how if you're righteous, God will bless you and on and on. And the last part of it there says, may God bless you. May you live to see your children's children. Uh, That's a blessing in God's sight. Children are a blessing in God's sight. Uh, But this is a blessing amped up a little bit. And all our grandparents are nodding. Yeah, yeah, that's good stuff. Most grandparents understand this. Uh, Proverbs 17.6 says, 
Children's children are a crown to the aged. Grandchildren are special. And we know that. I just want you to think about making sure you recognize it. All of us have seen the bumper sticker that says, ask me about my grandchildren. Anybody in here stupid enough to ever do that? (laughs) Nobody ever asked those people. Uh, (laughs) That would be a silly thing to do because most grandparents think they have perfect grandchildren. You know, the, the truth is there's very few of us that really do. But to a grandparent, uh, children's children are a huge blessing. One person said, to become a grandparent is to enjoy one of the few pleasures in life for which the consequences have already been paid. You have to think about that one a little while. Uh, the, the variation on that is the old T-shirt that says, my grandchildren are my reward for not killing my children. <laughs> you know, and, uh, that's not politically correct because some nut might think you're serious. But all parents out there are sitting there thinking, uh-huh, yeah, that time. <laughs> uh, but anyhow, the grandchildren are a blessing. Uh, I think maybe one reason that they're such a blessing, such a, a different kind of blessing, is in one sense they're kind of a chance to do over. Uh, all parents know that we didn't do things the way they ought to be done. We did the best we could maybe, but we made a lot of mistakes. And uh, grandchildren give us a chance to, after we've figured out what's really important in life, to help in their raising a little bit. Uh, maybe that's why they're such a blessing. Uh, grandparenting's different than parenting. Uh, my boys, when we were raising them, uh, spilling a glass of milk or whatever on the table, that was wasn't quite a capital offense, but it was pretty bad. You know, grandkids do that, no problem, absolutely no problem. You just clean up and carry on, and, and in the big picture, that's not really that important. We we learn that as we get to grandchildren. I was in a restaurant not too long ago, and uh, they were kind of the circular booths, and I was sitting where I could see the next booth, and there was a kid in there, a little kid in there. He wasn't loud, and he wasn't mean or bad, but he was just, he was was active, is what we'd say today. You know, he, he was spirited. And it was just one disaster after another. He was spilling stuff and doing things, and the parents were just getting hotter and hotter, and the mother especially was just, and I was, every time he did something like that, I was over there laughing. You know, I tried not to do it out loud, but it hit me funny. You know, this kid was just a whirlwind. And so pretty soon, the mother noticed and started giving me that little smile, like, this <laughs> 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 was really funny. And it went on the whole meal, and so when we got up to leave, we walked past, and I stopped, and I said, Granddads see humor in different things than parents do. (laughs) And she said, (laughs) 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 Grandchildren are a blessing. Treat them like they are. Number two, grandparents ought to be cheerful. Now, I realize this is... 
a different thought. And I'll tell you why I'm telling you this. Proverbs 17:22 says, A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. I think a, a cheerful heart is good medicine for you, and it's good medicine for others. And I think a crushed spirit dries up your bones, but it also affects other people. So I wanted to throw this in before we get to the other bigger points, perhaps. Uh, This is rare when a grandparent's not cheerful, and it may not be needed at all in this situation, but I have seen it in my life. I have seen it, so let me just include the warning. And let me put the warning this way. I once visited an old man over a period of years. And he was always glad to see me and loved to talk, and I didn't have to say much when I visited him because he could talk on and on. And at the start, when I started visiting him, things were pretty pleasant most of the time, and as time went on, they became less so. He'd begin to tell me that this family member didn't visit him enough. Began to tell me that this son-in-law was worthless. Began to tell me this granddaughter used to come see me all the time. But now she never comes around. And he hinted that she was really going to be surprised when they read the will. It went that direction. And visiting became harder and harder. He dried up my bones. It was all that direction, negative. I put a little saying down on your handout that I got from when we talked about how to live as an aged person. And I advised that there we ought to be cheerful as old people in, in speech and in thought and in prayer. Well, to always make sure we're trying to be positive instead of negative. We ought to try to emphasize others instead of ourselves all the time. We ought to talk about your health instead of your ailments. We ought to talk about peace instead of worry. Now, I know that's all hard when you when you feel bad. And you get to that time when you feel horrible all the time and, and all that. But the, the big warning here is that to be a good grandparent, you've got to have people around that you can influence. And if you're the kind of attitude and kind of person and the kind of things you talk about just drive people away, you're not going to be much of an influence. Grandparents, be cheerful. Number three, train the younger Titus 2.45, 2.4 and 5, says that older women, who happen to be mostly grandmothers, by the way, uh, older women should train younger women. Now, we know about Titus 2 around here. We know how that works. We, we have groups of women. Uh, some of them are older and some of them are younger, and they get together once a month and they talk about things, and they, the older train the younger. It's a great program. But this verse is not essentially a, or only, a church verse. This works in the family, too. 
It ought to work in the family too. Uh, grandparents ought to think of this as one of their callings, is to train the younger, train the grandchildren. I know a grandfather who nicknamed his grandson the rookie. And his plan was that when the grandson finally asked, why do you call me the rookie? Well, because you've got so much to learn. You've got so much i got to teach you. Uh, that's the way a grandparent ought to think about it, I think. Now, moms and dads have the primary responsibility. I understand that. Uh, when Toby gets to the sermon on parents, I think he's probably going to tell us, here's some things that parents are called to teach children. God's very specific about a lot of the things we're supposed to put into our children's lives. So they got the primary responsibility, I know that. But grandparents can do a lot of training. Now, let me clarify something. Some people get this confused. In fact, here's a couple of uh, old quotes, old sayings uh, that are wrong. Uh, One person said, when grandparents enter the door, discipline goes out the window. That should not be. That's not right. It may lighten up a little bit on some things, but a grandparent's job is to reinforce the training that the parents are given. Another saying goes, the reason grandparents and grandchildren get along so well is that they have a common enemy. (laughs) Shouldn't be that way either. Absolutely shouldn't be that way. Uh, (laughs) Grandparents uh, are not at odds with parents. They're complementary. Grandparents aren't a substitute or a replacement. Uh, Usually there are situations where grandparents raise grandchildren, uh, great responsibility, great uh, uh, wondrous duty. But uh, grandparents support uh, parents. So train the younger. Think about that. What do they need to be trained in? And things that parents sometimes don't have time for. Uh, Throw in some extra stuff there that can only come from a a grandparent. Number four, leave an inheritance. Proverbs 13.22 says a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Okay, now the first thing you do with this verse is make sure you show it to your children. They need to know, don't expect anything. Are we all children here or what? You guys worrying about your inheritance? Never saw that verse before? Kids don't get the inheritance. The grandkids do. Some of you really don't like that, do you? That's funny. I had no idea you'd be so hostile to Bible verse. Children get confused sometimes and think they're going to get an inheritance. That's not what the buck says. I know this is a key verse in the legacy class, the Dave Ramsey legacy class. In principle, it's true. Uh, I don't take it literally that you're only supposed to leave an inheritance for grandchildren. Uh, A proverb is a truism. And the proverb says, well, all through proverbs, it contrasts righteous and wicked. It says righteous people 
end up like this, wicked people end up like this. There's a lot of Proverbs about working hard and being lazy. Okay, The whole proverb says a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. A, a wicked man doesn't leave anything. It's gone. Okay? That's what the proverb's about. Is that if you're righteous and you live right, oh, God will bless you, and there will be something left probably. You won't die broke. Uh, wicked people will die broke. So that's what the verse truly means. So I'm really not going to spend any time on telling you how much of an inheritance to leave or how to do it. Uh, you can do that if you want. You can leave kids or grandkids, whatever. I would say this. I'm not sure it's always the best place to leave an inheritance for kids or grandkids, depending on the size of the inheritance. Uh, we read a whole lot of things in the news about grandchildren of rich people that live pretty miserable lives because they had too much too soon and uh, messed their life up. So I think we can use a lot of wisdom there. But I su- suggest there's a more important inheritance. And that's why I put 4A, 4B, and 4C down. 4A says leave an inheritance of history. You can leave some money if you want to, but make sure you leave an inheritance of history. Deuteronomy 4, verse 9 says it's talking about the things that your eyes have seen. It's talking to old people. And all that you've seen as you've grown up and lived in Israel and all of that, it says teach them to your children and to their children after them. Tell them about the past. Tell them about history. Deuteronomy 32.7 says, Remember the days of old. Consider the generations long past. Who can do that? Grandparents can do that. There's a great-grandparent left around. They can do it even better. That's a, a legacy that we leave, an inheritance. My dad, when he was 70 years old, wrote a little history book, not very long, but he called it a memoir of 70 years and told about the first 70 years of his life. Uh, We've got that little book bound and on the bookshelf. uh, Last weekend, Corbin was over and was telling me about he had to do a report in school, uh, and he had to do it on a biography. He had to report about some special American. And so I went over to the bookcase and grabbed Dad's old book, and I said, why don't you consider this? I'd, I'd mention some other things first, and he said, ah, that's too long a book. No, he said, <laughs> he wanted a little smaller book. So I gave him that one, and he opened that up and started looking and reading and was so interested. And he, I said, he said, I don't know if I can do it on this. And I said, well, go ask your teacher. Take it and ask her if you can do a biography of your, grand, your great-granddad. I don't know if he got permission or not, but the point that the book was there, um, Dad left an inheritance of history. Uh, Grandparents can do that, should do that. That's your calling. Number 4B, leave an inheritance of wisdom. Job 12.12 says, Is not wisdom found among the aged? Does not long life bring understanding? Well, the answer is not always. But the, the proverb is, yes, in general, that's true. In general, uh, who's got some wisdom? Well, the more aged you are, the more you've seen, the more understanding you should have. And if ever a generation needed wisdom, today's generation needs some wisdom. Okay? That's because my generation, the boomers, we've messed everything up so bad. 
that we've got it turned topsy-turvy. We call evil good and good evil and on and on and on. Some wisdom needs to be shared about what's going on these days. Uh, Grandparents have that role, have that calling. 4C, leave an inheritance of faith. This is the big one to me. Second uh, Timothy 1.5, Paul wrote to Timothy and said, I've been reminded of your sincere faith, Timothy. He said, it first lived in your grandmother Lois and then lived in your mother Eunice. Faith is passed down, not like an inheritance, not that you can give it to somebody, but the example is there so that somebody can follow it. When Toby was talking about the body and what we are calling is is the body, remember he was talking about the different body parts and he mentioned that his grandmother was the one that had a big influence in his life. And then he talked about an aunt and uncle and what they had to do in his bringing up and, and all of that and then church members that did something. The grandparents have a huge role in this faith business. Uh, we should. It's our calling. It, it's a, we're in a different time of life. We can transmit faith messages uh, by the way we live and by the way we talk with our grandchildren that is different than parents. And I know that's a parent's primary responsibility, but I think as grandparents we ought to see it as one of our primary callings. As an illustration, Second Corinthians 4, 7 the famous passage about jars of clay. I don't know how much you've ever thought about that verse, but what Paul says is, we've got this treasure. We've got this treasure of our faith. We've got it in jars of clay. And the reason we have it in jars of clay is so that people can see that the all-surpassing power is from God, not from us. Now what he means is, if we... We're all perfect and never had any problems and we never had any sicknesses and we were just perfectly perfect all the time. There's no way we could show God's power. But when things are going wrong, when you hurt, when you're sick, when you're going to die, and people look at you and see how they handle that with a faith, they can say, well, that's got to come from God. Because I couldn't handle that like that. So that's what the jars of clay thing is about. Well, in general, grandparents get to that stage. We're the ones that kids see with the infirmities and the ailments and the, the sicknesses and the, finally the death. And they watch and they learn. If you want to put it this way, grandparents are the ones that teach kids about dying. Parents can teach them about living, but only grandparents can teach them about dying. And I think that's one thing that's messed up in this world today is we've, we've separated the family so. The families used to live all together. And when Grandpa died, everybody was part of it. Now he's probably halfway across the country and uh, nobody ever sees him. So dying becomes nothing to people. and uh, In fact, it scares people, so we 
dream up euthanasia and things like that, uh, the family would put a stop to a lot of that foolishness if we still had the cohesive family. But anyhow, that's a sidetrack. Grandparents teach faith in a different way. They're able to because of where we are in life and uh, the condition that we're in sometimes. Uh, We're all mourning the passing of Bonnie McCain. Died unexpectedly. Uh, I visited with the McCain family yesterday some, and uh, Bonnie hadn't been well in quite a while, hadn't felt good, but she gave that family a message of her faith by how she handled all of that. And as we talked, one thing that they told us and shared with us that uh, Bonnie's granddaughter, Annalise, kept a journal. And after Bonnie died, she went and got her journal and opened it up. And Bonnie had slipped a note in there, a powerful note about love and faith. Uh, She was the only one in the position to teach that lesson when she did. The grandparents leave an inheritance of faith. Number five, let's wrap up here. Number five, bless your grandchildren. Bless them. In Genesis 48, 9, of course, Joseph had been away from his daddy, Israel, for a long time. So when Israel came to Egypt, Joseph introduced his sons. He said, Daddy, these are my sons. And Israel said, bring them to me so that I can bless them. Uh, That was a bigger thing in the Old Testament. Uh, The patriarch telling the grandchildren or the great-grandchildren, what he saw in them and what their talents were, what their life ought to be like. At a funeral not too long ago, and a daughter-in-law of the deceased came up to me, and she said, when you're done, I need to get up and say something. And I said, okay. So I called on her at the end, and she called all five grandkids out of the audience. And she got one or two of them with hers, and the others were from other siblings. And she got them up there, and she proceeded to tell each one, started with the oldest one, and proceeded to tell him what grandmother thought of him, what she was always proud of, and what she loved in him, and all that. And she closed by saying, I think you were always her favorite. And I thought, oh, man, that was not a good thing to say. And she went on to the second one, and she told what grandmother thought of that one, and on and on. And she closed by saying, I think you were always her favorite. And then I got it. And she did it all five times. And it was a nice ceremony. It was interesting to hear it. And she went into specifics and details. Uh, all our grandkids are our favorites. They just got different strengths. And that's one thing that a grandparent ought to do is convey that to grandchildren. You're really good at this. Uh, This is what I'm proud of you for. And that's blessing them. Phyllis Thoreau said this, We should all have one person who knows how to bless us despite the evidence. My grandmother was that person for me. Bless them. Number six is not on here. We're done with the slides. 
but it almost was. Because the other part of this is I'm thinking there's a whole lot of people out there that don't have grandkids. May never have grandkids. Maybe they live a long ways away. Maybe you hardly ever see them. Then this is a real hard lesson to do. It takes more effort. It's harder. Oh, and maybe there's some situation where you just can't serve as a grandparent. Got an option for you. Be a surrogate grandparent. Uh, we got a lot of prayer pals around here that get confused with grandparents. Prayer pals that have had a kid for a long time and kind of fit right in as a grandparent. Kids can use more than one grandparent, by the way, so that's all right. Uh, pick somebody, somebody, some youngster that doesn't have a grandparent here. Uh, mentor them, uh, adopt them, act like their grandparents. Uh, find a family that moves into Northside that their grandparents live far away. Volunteer to be a grandparent. There's concerts and games and all sorts of things you can go to that a kid won't have a grandparent at. So uh, that's number six is if you don't have a full-time job already as a grandparent, be a surrogate one. Find somebody to be one for. The lesson is yours. hope that helps you understand a grandparent's calling. Uh, next week we'll talk about spouses, uh, husband and wife. What are your callings in the family? If you're here this morning and need to respond to the Lord's invitation in any way, we'd be happy to help you. i uh, love to help you put Christ on in baptism or pray with you or whatever you need. If you have some public need, come. Let's stand and sing.